Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Thomas Miller. Thomas is the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, an organization that aims to be the difference maker in the leadership development of individuals and organizations. Thomas believes that everything rises and falls on leadership. He has studied, researched, written, and spoken on the principles of leadership strategic planning, as well as individual and organization transformation over the past 10 years. It is through these experiences combined with his John C. Maxwell team leadership training that he helps schools and businesses navigate a course from success to significance through transformational coaching, training, speaking, and consulting. He has written and produced over 100 hours of digital content and learning programs focused on effective charter school leadership, governance, and transformation. His dissertation study, How Effective K-12 North Carolina Charter Schools Meet Their Purposes, led him to a position as an education consultant for the state of North Carolina. From there, he set off to serve at a more extensive level founding his own leadership company based on the leadership principles taught by John C. Maxwell. He speaks to corporate and public audiences on the subject of personal and professional development. His flagship talks and seminars on leadership, selling, human behavior, mission, purpose and goals, strategy, and communication bring about immediate changes and long-term results. His vision for Leaders Building Leaders is to be a committed extension of any organization's leadership team. Welcome, Dr. Thomas Miller. How are you? Better than I deserve. Uh, thank you so much for this humbling opportunity just to, you know, just to share with another a fellow leader who's out there looking to make the difference in the world of others. Especially in education, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> our most, most precious resource is our children, so we have to be champions uh, for them. Awesome. Well, we're so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? Uh, yes, ma'am. Thank you. Okay. So, um, Thomas, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? Wow. Yeah. So, um my path to leadership, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I almost need to start with a backwards uh, design. So now I have the privilege to learn under John Maxwell. If you haven't read any of John Maxwell's a leadership few, material, <laughs> yeah, you know, he defines leadership as influence and, mm -hmm. and uh, not a title. And I think if I think uh, backwards through my career, we're all leaders in one way or another. But it all depends on where our influence was uh, taking others and ourselves. And so if I think back to 20 years ago, my um, influence was really just about me. <laughs> the mm -hmm. one person uh, that I was about was about me, uh, very egotistical and had a high level of arrogance. So, for example, I you know, started off as a classroom teacher of an exceptional children's class. And I remember my principal coming to me and saying, 
hey, there's some teachers struggling with behavior management. I would really like you to help them. Mm-hmm. My first instinct was they can go to a training or they can read a book, right? Mm-hmm. The same way that I learned how to lead. And I didn't understand that having all the answers is not leadership or you know, sharing with others or the success of others is really about what good leadership is about. So when I think about my last 20 years in leadership, you know, I've moved from really being all about me. Mm-hmm. Then every day, my mission is to be the difference maker in the leadership development of individuals and organizations. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. why I wake up now. So when you ask me, you know, then till now, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Is we work specifically with public charter schools, with their leadership and their leadership teams to help them have a better understanding of why they exist what they do and how they define success. And in that, charter school leaders are very entrepreneurial. So sometimes it's uh, challenging to uh, get them to understand that their ideas might be good, but what's most important is their ability to pour in to the teachers and the staff that is carrying out that idea. And so that's always hard. You know, being in the business rather than working on the business is the biggest challenge for any leader, especially, you know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint. And uh, so that's what we do now is we help people identify what they should focus their time on, help them be better communicators for their team and build capacity in their team so they can execute on what's uh, most important. And the leaders can do what's you know, most important for them, what the organization gets the greatest return at when they do it. Mm-hmm. What's the name of your organization? My company's name is Leaders Building Leaders. We were founded in July of 2014. You know, interesting story behind it, Uh, you know, part of the journey, obviously, you know, you can pretty much look at your life in five-year chunks, you know, the books you read and the people you hang out with. Mm -hmm. So five years ago is when I started to be introduced to John Maxwell and I joined the John Maxwell team as a certified coach. I was at the time I was working in a government entity, working with schools in North Carolina, and I was told by my boss, I know he meant well when he said this, I don't know how to grow you. And I'm not sure how I can keep you. And to me, that hurt in a sense of, well, I'm in charge of my own growth and I didn't get it. You know, being someone from a a high eye on a disc, uh, you know, scale, I, I, you know, took offense, but I immediately started looking for opportunities. And um, it was at that time that our company was born three months later, uh, my wife and I kind of put a hundred day plan in and saved up enough money to start kind of on our own and build our wings as we go. Uh, So for the last three and a half years, I have been an independent business owner. Uh, We have three full-time employees and a few consultants, all uh, supporting school leadership across the country now. Our team at Leaders Building Leaders, uh, which was, you know, basically born out of awareness and, you know, wanting to be more and do more. I know that that's a passion project and my heart (laughs) is activated, certainly, because this is something that's so much on my heart too. You work with school leaders. Now you mentioned you work with public charter schools. Do you just work with public charter schools? We would work with anybody. You know, I found as a former uh, charter school director that charter schools have the opportunity to be flexible. And I, you know, kind of describe them as a bass boat compared to big school systems are uh, sometimes trying to turn a, uh, you know, tanker with an oar, you know? Mm -hmm. So we will work with all schools, but my main influence when I came out of that government entity was with charter schools. So that's kind of how it started. I've tried to really stay in my niche. And Mm -hmm. over the last year, we've, you know, started to kind of broaden out to support uh, business leaders as well. Great. Thank you. Now, Tom, how would you describe your leadership style? I'm extremely passionate and I'm extremely active. Mm -hmm. 
I have learned to my sorrow that activity doesn't always necessarily equate to productivity, right? Right, right? So I am a constant reflector. I would definitely describe myself as a reflector who has a lot of ideas. And I really need uh, one of our partners in, um, in the company helps pretty much <laughs> cap a lot of those ideas mm -hmm. to make sure we have, you know, some thought. So my leadership style is, you know, definitely a uh, modeling. I like to act. I like to try new things. I like to take chances and risks. However, I have learned also that's, you know, what is our strength is also our greatest weaknesses. And sometimes I leave, you know, people behind. Um, I move too fast. I don't communicate well as a team. Uh, so those are some things, you know, we all have to be aware as uh, leaders that, you know, our strengths are very important, but they can also be our greatest deficits if we don't build our awareness. You know, I love your authenticity because um, it's so real. It's so you. I'm getting to know you. Our listeners are getting to know who you are. And I really appreciate that because we all struggle with that. And we all have to practice humility, right? Yeah, it's a critical aspect to say that I'm wrong and I messed up. And because, you know, if you don't do that, leaders out there listening, Mm -hmm. your people will never buy into you. They won't because they see if you think you're hiding your weaknesses, right? If I pretend like my uh, people who uh, I'm so humbled at work with us don't see my faults, then I'm crazy. They certainly know what I do do well and what I uh, struggle at. And it's important for me to allow our members of our team to grow in their strength spots and to remove their you know work weaknesses i remember lots of times you know being in uh, positions with the state that i loved like here's a great example i love meeting new people getting into schools learning about their best practices and just kind of how things work right their school improvement initiatives and how they're making a difference mm -hmm. i hate writing about it <laughs> so <laughs> but one of my roles was to write best practices articles and even now when i blog you know i try to get out a one blog per week, it sometimes sucks the life out of me because I'm not very strong at grammar. Mm -hmm. uh, as you can even tell by listening to me, I, I, I write like I talk, which is a problem. Uh, so You're very it, relatable, Tom, I uh, have to so, say. Yeah, thank you. But it sucks the life out of me. So it's important that we surround ourselves and build a team that completes Mm -hmm. not a team that competes. And, you know, leaders sometimes find like-minded people who have the same skills as them. And, you know, their teams just really struggle because they're afraid that someone's going to be better than them at something. And that's a big piece that we find uh, working with school leaders. And I don't want to get ahead, but, you know, mm -hmm. I asked a question to uh, leaders during a training recently. When you think about delegating or when you think about empowering somebody else on your team with a task, what do you worry about? Mm -hmm. And the answers were mind-boggling. They were fear of looking lazy. And the norms were either the fear of not getting done well or not getting on time. And those are things where you just need to take that time to teach. The reason why we struggle with that is because we just hand things over and assume that they have the skills to do it. And then when they don't do it yes. well, we uh, resent them or we have faulty mm -hmm. assumptions and then just, you know, creates these problems. And that's why we just do it ourselves. And then we're looked at as, as um, we're not multipliers. If you haven't read Liz uh, Wiseman's book, Multipliers Leaders out there, please do. And uh, when you do it, you know, be ready to uh, look in the mirror because mm. uh, she really does a great job of calling multipliers multipliers, but also describing diminishers for what they do. And sometimes we diminish the people on our team based upon our actions or our um, egos and your ego is the enemy. You have to be able to put it in check. Well, I love what you're doing because just 
historically, educational organizations haven't really taught leadership skills. We tend to assume if you're a good teacher and if you're pretty organized, then you know you can go up, up into administration and you'll develop as you go along. And what I find as you were talking about fear, fear becomes a strong foothold because we don't have the training. Yeah. And you know, what's amazing is that actually the fear is more crippling than the consequence. Yeah. So we fear having crucial conversations. Mm-hmm. And what I've found is when you don't have conversations, when you need to, the conversations become much harder and the consequences are always worse at the end. Right. And you know what, Tom, we need to be taught to have those conversations. Sometimes we don't know what to say. That's all a part of the leadership skills that we can be taught, the social emotional skills. So I really honor what you're doing because I know it's very valuable work. Thank you. Um, Now, Tom, which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? You know, I'd have to say the number one quote is Zig Ziglar said, the most influential voice you'll hear all day is your own. So be careful what you say to yourself. That still haunts me every day. I have a uh, speech impediment. I've been Mm -hmm. overweight my whole life. I went bald really early. (laughs) I'm really good at putting myself down. And it wasn't until I learned, and I'm still getting better at daily affirmations. That's really important. If you believe in yourself, whatever you think you can or can't do, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's Henry Ford. So there's another one for you. And then obviously, John and uh, Maxwell is everything rises and falls on leadership. So it's important for me to reflect if anything goes well that we did, make sure I give credit to my team. But when things go poorly, it was, you know, poor leadership. And we have to be responsible as leaders for whatever goes wrong. And then make sure we give credit to what goes right to other people. Thank you so much for that. I know that a lot of us have that self-talk and we have to really be mindful of where that goes. You're absolutely right. I mean, I struggle with that every day. I need those affirmations. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. Now, Tom, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? Yeah, I'd have to say my favorite leader uh, right now, her name is Joy Warner and she's a principal at Community School of Davidson, which is a charter school outside of Charlotte. And I love her because... Her school is so good and she never takes credit for anything. She cries in front of us all the time. She tells us, you know, the mistakes that she made. She tells us that she's scared. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's so vulnerable. So maybe that's, you know, when you had pointed out my uh, vulnerability, Mm -hmm. I relate to that, you know, and I want to be more like that and more like her. She's such a multiplier. She's constantly pouring into her people. So I think the type of leaders that I'm inspired by are the ones who understand they're good, but don't need to tell anybody else about it. And, you know, the ones that are willing to stand alone and understand that their actions are, you know, moving other people, but you wouldn't tell by sitting next to them, right? They're just average people, but their impact is just amazing on other human beings. So those type of people, the selfless leaders, and obviously there's some you can point out in the real world, uh, but she's, you know, mine. And I met her through my dissertation study in 2011 on the characteristics of effective charter schools. And I know everybody out there has read it. You should. But that's when I, you know, met her. And and so for, you know, seven years, I've been blessed to be able to, you know, know her and watch her lead and watch her grow, right? She's constantly growing herself. And that's really exciting to watch other people get better. Hmm. Well, it sounds like we can have her on our show. 
I, I'd be happy to do the introduction. She is, she is dynamic. Yep. Fantastic. Now, Tom, what's the best advice you've ever received? You know, I think the best advice I've ever received, I've got two. One is your ears will never get you in trouble. So they were telling me to shut up basically, right? Just listen. And then the other piece is jump out of the plane and build your wings as they go. You know, I know a lot of people have a hard time with that. That's how we build our business. But, you know, as leaders, we have to be careful of that too, because mm -hmm. not everybody on our team feels that way. So we need to make sure that we understand, you know, how your personality, you know, impacts everybody else. And so mm -hmm. I have to be wary of that as I'm jumping, uh, that I can go back and get them or let them know that it's going to be okay. But that is the best advice is, is just go, just take that next step because you may never leap, you know? Right. As a person who's a risk taker, I can certainly relate to that. But I also know that I can overwhelm people around me who, like you said, you know, are more cautious. Sure. That's a great trait. Mm -hmm. I'm DISC uh, certified. So one of my favorite uh, trainings to a lead is the DISC personality profile. And you've got mm -hmm. the dominant, inspiring, supportive, and cautious. And we have all four of those traits in us. Just some are just a little bit more, you know, dominating to a creator personality. And it's so important that you really think through um, as you build your team and really kind of understand yourself so you can be a better communicator and leader. Dr. Robert Rome is who uh, trained me. And he, Dr. Rome taught me before you can beware of something, you need to be aware of it. Mm -hmm. And at times we're not aware of how our actions, our body language, our communication, how that impacts other people. We may say the right things, but we say it in the wrong tone mm -hmm. all the time. And that's really impactful. Or how we lead, you know, the leader that is just running around getting everything done, they wear out their people. They yeah. just, they, they just exhaust yes. them. And what it does is it really just creates a bunch of voyeurs. Your whole team's going to be a voyeur and then you're going to complain about them because you're doing all the work, right? In your mind, I'm doing everything around here. Nobody works as hard as I am. You have to understand how you cause part of the problem. In any issue in your organization that is uh, struggling, you have to ask yourself the question, how was I part of this problem? Even mm -hmm. if you weren't a part of it in any capacity, how did I create this? Yeah, what's my responsibility here? And this calls for us to really be self-aware and really be present. And mm -hmm. that's something we have to practice, that we have to be intentional about, right? Oh, yeah. It's really hard. I mean, it's mm -hmm. hard. And you need a good accountability partner. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly asking my team, oh, I try to ask them, how am I doing? Hopefully I'm listening. <laughs> but, you know, where did that conversation go well? You know, where did we miss it? Because it's important. There are no uh, lone ranger leaders out there. And if they are, then they're not good ones. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, so, you know, speaking of teams, what does it mean to have a good team and how do you build and sustain one? Mm. Yeah, I've hit on a couple of these points already. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure first and foremost that everybody understands that nothing great was accomplished alone, right? I mean, even if you see, you know, Dr. King, he didn't act alone. He was who you saw most often. And it's all a team piece. So the first part of a team, it's interesting when you think of uh, two, you know, leaders, Jim Collins and uh, John Maxwell, they have different aspects on, you know, first you get the team, then you create the vision is how, you know, Jim Collins says, you know, get everybody on the bus and then go. And John Maxwell is the other way. You create the vision and then you get the team to help you to get there. Both ways work. What's most important is that when you build your team, you build a team that's like-minded, but thinks differently, right? They bring different skills and they bring different perspectives mm -hmm. to the work, whatever it is. 
And I'll tell you what not to do. Here's how you don't build a team. Mm-hmm. You don't build a team with your friends, mm-hmm. right? And you don't build a team around people that you're comfortable with because they're not going to tell you you're on the wrong path and you're going to get pain from that attachment. So most importantly, be clear of where you want to go. Recruit the individuals that have that same passion and vision, mission and vision, but will bring different perspectives to the team and have skill sets and, you know, folks that they're okay to tell you, I don't think you're right here. Because if you don't have that, your organization is going to just fall on destination disease. Mm -hmm. And one thing that when we work with charter schools that drives me crazy is that a lot of organizations and schools don't have any goals. So I may ask a school, you know, what is your academic goal, right? How do you define academic success? Well, we just want to be better than the school system. And I look at them and I say, well, great. Well, they stink and what? You stink less? I mean, is that your goal here? You know, you want to be one percent better? That doesn't make any sense. So having that team that's very willing to climb to the top of that mountain with you is important. Hard to find. Hard mm-hmm. to find. Mm. Now, Tom, you've spoken a lot about your team and what you do. If our listeners wanted to connect with you, what would be the best way to do that? Uh, So they can go to our website, uh, which is Mm lbleaders.com, or they could just do a Google search of leaders, building leaders. They can follow us on Twitter as well. And so there's opportunities there to learn more about what we do. Uh, Some of my work with effective uh, charter school characteristics, which really can align to any school, private, home, traditional, public, it's all the same. And uh, what's most important is that everybody understand that every plan works if you work it. (laughs) Mm. So I think we just got too many organizations out there that fall to the shiny new carrot. So a lot of what we do, you'll see on our website, is uh, really focused on organizational health, uh, taking care of your people and being very clear with your mission, purpose, and goals. So uh, yeah, they can reach out. They're welcome to email me at tom at lbleaders.com. Now you also have a podcast. Can you tell us about that? We do. We love our podcast. Uh, we've got some great stories already from our podcast. You know, it is a uh, charter school leaders so far in the North Carolina and the podcast is called the principal's office. Mm. And uh, it's been great. And we did a podcast with this small charter school in Asheville. And uh, there's only about 150 kids. And they just do a great job. They're debt free. They perform well. It's a fairly impoverished school uh, with Mm -hmm. its uh, demographics. And so a group of school leaders from I think it was Indiana came and visited them. So they're sitting down and they're having lunch. And the principal asked, what made you come here? all the way to North Carolina to see us. And they said, oh, well, our superintendent heard a podcast and <laughs> heard about the school. And when she told me that story, I looked at uh, Jeff, who runs the podcast for us, and said, we got to get on this thing more often because, I mean, we are reaching. And it, awesome. what a great thing, you know, an hour sit down, hopefully created initiatives in another state that is meeting the needs of kids. And that's what it's all about. You know, better practices need to be shared. We can all learn from each other. It doesn't matter what's the word prior to the word school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, leadership is about not how far you advance yourself. It's how far you advance other people. So we right. hope, you know, just to share that word. If there's one golden nugget that comes out of that, you know, podcast or one that comes out of this podcast, if, you know, my arrogance doesn't, you know, fly through the microphone to you and there's one thing that you can hold on to, then I've done my job and, you know, Lily's done hers because, Mm-hmm. It's all about your growth. You know, see yourself as a project and just keep on growing yourself because if mm-hmm. you're not growing, then you're dying. 
Right. And so as one fellow podcaster to another, you're doing a great job. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you so much for sharing that. Hey, leaders, if you haven't downloaded your copy of the Master Leadership Journal, go to masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ to get instant access and begin growing your leadership with questions that have been curated by top level leaders. I've also included some cool extras for you at masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ. Can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life? Man, how much time do we have? One challenge that I experienced how it shaped my life. Well, yeah, sure. I would love to share this story. I'm a recovering gambling addict. Hmm. And uh, for uh, 10 years, from when I was 19 to I was 29, not a day went by that I didn't gamble on something. Hmm. And, um, you know, joining Gamblers Anonymous and, you know, getting myself into a 90-day program so I could deprogram myself mm-hmm. uh, and think differently. And it was really my first mastermind group. You know, one of the things that we do um, as an organization is we lead mastermind book studies because you want to surround yourself with other people that can help you think differently. Right. And um, so that's the biggest challenge. You know, I overcame that actually February 12th will be 12 years. And, awesome. and so I think that's the challenge. But the point there is that you can, at any point of your life, you can change your thinking, right? At any point of your life, you can turn in the deck of cards and get a new deck mm-hmm. and you can't start your life over, but you can finish differently. So I think that's been the greatest challenge was to understand that because there's so many people in the world who don't think that their life can get better. It'll never get better. And that's so untrue. And you've got to put those gremlins aside and you've got to talk nicer to yourself and live the life that you deserve to have uh, rather than being reactionary or watching other people live their life on TV. So. Tom, thank you so much for just sharing your life with us. Again, your authenticity, I'm sure, will reach a lot of listeners. So thank you so much for that. Now, Tom, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes? So if you read the book E-Myth, the entrepreneur myth, it says like 80% of small businesses fail within like three years. So we're past that point. So maybe that's, you know, part of my greatest, uh, you know, success. (laughs) You know, we're still alive. I honestly think, you know, my greatest uh, success is learning to be a better dad and a family man. I still struggle with the work, right? The work is Mm -hmm. always in my head, but I have a five-year-old son. He just turned five and a 10-year-old daughter now. And my Mm -hmm. wife and I have been together for over 20 years now. I think my greatest uh, success so far has been able to pour into them and just be a better human being because 12, 13 years ago, I shouldn't have been anybody's dad or partner. We all think maturity comes with age, but it doesn't. Maturity comes with the acceptance of responsibility. (laughs) So I think that's, you know, maybe something I'm really, you know, working on, you know, myself, you know, getting better, uh, trying to be more present, like you had said, Lily, it's so important because it's easy as a principal or a teacher or any occupation you have to just never leave the business. It never leaves your head because it's important because you want to take care of the kids that you serve, but you also have to take care of you. That might be a little bit selfish to say, but what I think the greatest success for me has been able to get past that dark side and hopefully to be a better you know, spouse and a parent and also kids in the community. 
we're you know trying to build some youth leadership programs called Youth Max, and you know trying to give back. So I think that's just the greatest success is watching other people grow and to be there for them, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they might need. So for me, that's kind of my definition of uh, you know success is if I put my head down every day and know that I did my best and I was true to myself now, not true to myself what I used to be, and help you know someone else uh, be better, then then that's it. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing, too, is that you're good at maintaining balance. Is that correct? What does that mean? You know? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that there is balance in mm-hmm. terms of work life. But what there is balance in is loving, right? Mm-hmm. So I've worked really hard uh, since uh, July 1st, 2014. But I wouldn't necessarily say I work because I love what I do. Mm. And so my balance is really just staying what I love. I love my family. I love helping people. Probably the perception is I work too many hours, right? I mean, how many people honestly quit 40 hour jobs to work 80 hours for less money? Yeah, right. They're nuts to start your own business. But when you do what you love, then it doesn't really feel like anything. So I have fought the balance piece. I'm certainly a workaholic at times, but I love what I do. And I'm learning to be more balanced in presence because I don't think you can like equate it number wise. But as long as you can be present for your kids and your family when they need you, uh, that's what makes the biggest difference that I'm learning. It's not about, you know, how long it is. It's about the experience that you can leave and the memories that you make. That's one of my five goals is to make memories and live like a tourist as much as possible. Oh, I like that. (laughs) I know for me, I need help sometimes. Because I love what I do. And a lot of the listeners do. We all love what we do. Most of us. If we don't, we shouldn't. We're in the wrong business. We're in the wrong organization. Quit now. Yes, please. (laughs) So we can get caught up. But it's Mm -hmm. important to have that partner, that friend, that colleague, that inner circle to help us to kind of detach from the work and continue to give to other people that, you know, matter. There's a great tool out there, and I'm happy to share it with any of your listeners. It's called the Wheel of Life. I mean, obviously, you can you know Google one, and it's just eight areas of you know your life, and you kind of rate them on a one to ten, and you see how balanced you are, you know, because you'll see that your wheel doesn't spin very well in certain areas. So you take that and you start to take that look because it's important for you to be able to define what a 10 is, right? What's a 10 in faith? What's a 10 in relationship? What's a 10 mm-hmm. in, in your work? Because if you don't have that vision, like how will you ever know you're there? Right? Mm, I mean, if right. you don't have a target, you'll never miss. You'll be successful <laughs> forever doing nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I would really encourage you know, anybody to just you know, Google Wheel of Life or feel free to reach out to me and I'll send you one. It's a great tool to sit down with your partner and just kind of really reflect upon what areas mm. of your life are you lacking? Because then you can be more um, intentional because that's what it's all about. Is, right? It's mm-hmm. moving away from good intentions and move towards intentional action. Thank you for sharing that. That's really useful. So, Tom, what would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? So when you say new leader, is that someone who's in like a brand new position or someone who's just maybe seeing themselves as a leader for the first time? I've never been asked that question, but I think it's a good question. Either one. Okay. So I think the first thing that I would tell them is that leadership evolves daily, not in one day. Hmm. And so John Maxwell always talks about crockpot leaders, right? So these are those lifelong learners and you're constantly growing yourself. And that's the first thing I would tell a new leader is that you have to be constantly working on you. 
and all these challenges that you're having, just so you know, they never go away. However, you can be responsive rather than reactive and you can grow yourself, grow your team, build systems, and it's not going to happen overnight. I think that's one of the biggest challenges we all have now in life is our need for instant gratification and instant turnaround, especially in education. Like I always say, if you let the government decide what success looks like at your school, you'll be chasing rainbows forever. Right. And so you have to define what success looks like for a turnaround situation. What is it? You know, you could do the wheel of life on your school. What, what is it that good parent engagement looks like? You know, how are we communicating our mission? How is our staff? And you take a look at those. And so that's what a new leader needs to do is to be able to be visionary and to be patient. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the best advice I've ever heard was to hire slow and fire fast. Because as soon as you get that gut feel that someone's not working out, you have to make that change. Now, hopefully... Mm -hmm. You better have had those, you know, conversations like you had to have, you know, give them an opportunity to grow. But in education, wasting time is a slow form of suicide. And if we, if we continue to let our kids have poor instruction and poor curriculum practices, then it's our fault mm -hmm. as uh, leaders. And we also have to understand that those adults in those classrooms are doing the best that they can. So what are you doing to equip them and make them better? Great. Thank you so much. Now, mm -hmm. many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you and what are you learning now? So just, you know, going back to that, um, you know, theory that a leadership evolves daily, not in a day. So every single day, if you just try to get a little bit better than what you were yesterday. So I have a daily rule of five. So every day I read or I listen to new content. Mm -hmm. Every day I try to create new content. Every day I ask questions. Every day I look to add value to other people. So having that, you know, daily, you know, habits. So we did four. You said five, right? I know. Well, you're going to hold me accountable to the five. Yeah, because, you know, people are listening to you. They're, they're listening intensely. <laughs> uh, I was going to say it. I lost my head for a second. Hold on. Mark. So it's the daily four, Lily. The daily four. Just go back and edit it. I love that. All right. So let me go back. It's important if you are looking to be a lifelong learner that, you, you know, you have to have daily habits. So every day I, one, look to add value to other people, to read or listen to brand new content. Every day I work on building the uh, company, right? So building the business. Mm -hmm. And so that means not doing the day-to-day -day stuff. It's working on it, you know, strategizing and really, really thinking. So a lot of people get that confused. Every day I ask questions and every day I create brand new content. So it's just really important that you have your own plan for growth. Mm -hmm. A great book to uh, start is John Maxwell's The 15 Laws of Invaluable Growth. It'll give you a personal growth plan if you don't have one. And so it's about looking in the mirror mm -hmm. and you know, looking as you're investing in yourself to have a better future. And if you're not reading, you have to start, whether it's listening to audiobooks or podcasts, because there's so much great content out there. Now, you can get lost in the content. I have found myself getting lost in the content because, you know, there's so many different experts out there. You can read 100 different books and come up with 20 different theories of what to do. So it is important to kind of stick to one and you know, follow that. Otherwise, your team's going to get confused. And that's how I was as a principal. Whatever article I read that week, that's what the professional development session was going to be on that Wednesday. <laughs> so you know, have a plan, have intentionality you know, behind that. Now, you've mentioned several books. You've mentioned Multipliers, The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth. I think you mentioned Good to Great. Anything else our listeners should read? Yeah, I also have a uh, list of books on my website that I would recommend. But um, so if you're in school leadership, 
I think anything by Todd Whitaker, I think my favorite book from him is What Great Principles Do Differently. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome book, and we love running mastermind uh, book studies out of it. So that would be for school education. For organizational health, I would read The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni, and really anything by Patrick Lencioni is dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those would be those two. And the best John Maxwell book is the, the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Uh, that's pretty much the Bible of everything mm-hmm. that he writes. You know, you can pretty much read that and capture, you know, the rest of his books. I think those three would be great. And then for personal growth, it's the 15 Laws mm-hmm. um, and Multipliers. There's actually, I've heard there's a Multipliers book for educators. I haven't read it. Uh, but I know that they put out one for educators. So if you're an educator out there, you may want to read that version specifically for you. You know, the important part is, you know, Lily, as you know, to be a good leader, you need to be a good follower. Mm-hmm. And that means whatever the book tells you to do, do it, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. If at the end of every chapter, right, the author has spent time creating reflection questions. And for the majority of my life reading career, I just said, oh, those are nice. I'll get to them one day. You'll never get to them. Mm -hmm. Take the time and really dive deep into some of these books because that's where the gold nuggets are going to come. They're going to come from your own head and your subconscious. You know, Carl Jung said, until we make the unconscious conscious, it'll rule our lives and we will call it fate. And it's about bringing those incredible ideas to the forefront for you and your personal life and your professional life to make your organization work at optimum level. So think time, critical. Tom, I thank you for that. I needed to hear that personally because I tend to do, 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 and I tend to want to get through content, but, you know, slowing down and just listening and really reflecting is incredibly important. So thank you so much for that. Sure. Now, Tom, if there were something you could change in education in the U.S., what would that be? Wow. I think the notion that teachers are um, ineffective, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm 41. So school has changed a lot, you know, since I was in elementary school from what is taught and what is expected of teachers. uh, Our world has changed a lot. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest issues, you know, going back to that programming we're all programmed, right? We've been programmed by the people that have influenced us the most. So when I say program, that means like we've all been made safe by our parents. You know, don't get too close to the fire. Don't get too uh, close to the pool because you might drown. And then mm-hmm. a minute later, they're asking you to jump in, right? Mm-hmm. So it's hard for today's uh, teacher to teach in a 21st century environment because that's not the way we were taught. And so I think the thing I would change is the way that we equip and build professional capacity in our teachers, because they have to be the most skilled, soft skills and hard skills of you know, pretty much any job out there. I always tell uh, teachers they have the second hardest job in the world. And number one is a you know, stay-at-home mom. They have number two, mm. uh, because they have to be so much for so many. And so the schools that are the most effective that I see are so clear on their education plan, crystal clear of what they do, how they will teach kids, how they will know that kids have learned and what they will do if they haven't learned, right? And so the schools that are struggling and underperforming have very muddy education plans. It's kind of a hodgepodge. There's a bunch of different things going on. Every grade level is kind of doing their own thing. So I think the thing that we would change about education is ensuring that school leaders 
have an understanding of what works and what doesn't work so their teachers can really focus and get better at whatever that thing that, that works. Because every curriculum plan works, every education plan works, every diet works if you work it. <laughs> the problem is we're not working it. We are looking at it at high level, but we're not implementing education plans with 100% fidelity, which is challenging. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I would change. It's hard to say, but this you know notion that we need to bring in all these supplemental programs uh, in order to be effective. What we need to do is treat our teachers like professionals, and we need to equip them to be more successful by not piling more things on them. And things could be anything, just work, supplementary programs, um, additional assessments. There are many educational programs out there. So just choose the one that's going to best meet the needs of your students and make sure that you don't overwhelm your teachers with more stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was a principal, I just felt like we just had a lot of stuff. We had so many different supplementary programs. You weren't necessarily sure which one worked. So that's what I would change. I would make sure that if I was a school leader, that my teachers only had one thing to master and to do it really, really well, and to give it its two to three years to really manifest itself and be an effective program. That's what you're going to see. If you go and study um, effective schools versus ineffective schools, you're going to see that they have a very clear education program, and they do not waver away from it. And the schools that are muddy, uh, that are underperforming, they have very unclear education plans. So let's say, Tom, that I'm a principal of a school that has a muddy education plan, and I heard about you and your program, what's one of the first things that you do? Well, it's an interesting question because how would you know you have a muddy education program? Fair enough, Um, but I need help. Let's say I need help. And I heard about this amazing program that, you know, I heard on the Master Leadership Podcast, and I really feel like you can help us. Sure. You know, when you're standing in the frame, it's hard to see the picture. So I think it doesn't matter where your school is performing academically, everybody could use kind of an audit, right? Mm -hmm. So what we would do is we would come in and actually observe. And so everything in life is a choice. When I'm doing a walkthrough as a principal, right, I'm walking down the hall and I make a choice to look in the classroom or actually physically walk into the classroom. And then when I'm in the classroom, I make a choice. Do I actually look over the kid's shoulder and see what work they're actually doing and look at the teacher, right? And just see, you know, is the student learning? And I think too many times as a principal, we just do the walkthrough and get through and check on the compliance rather than the actual depth. So that's what we do. When we come into a school, we look for the alignment, the alignment of what is communicated from the principal and the, you know, the coach or whoever is in charge of academics and what's actually happening in the classroom. And you do that only through a triangulation. One is observations. And two, we do teacher interviews. Do they have an understanding of what should be taught, how they know students learn, and what the prevention systems are in place to ensure mastery? So we go through that process and we'll go through every classroom multiple times on multiple days and we'll show here's where it's misaligned, right? You know, you may think uh, that your program's aligned, you know, but it's not in these areas. And what we typically find in schools that are underperforming is that they try to do all the things that they think effective schools do, like assess kids, right? So everybody says, oh, you got to assess them. And they do. So then they have like five different assessments. I'm like, well, when do you teach? If, if all you're doing is testing kids, when are you actually teaching them? 
Or another thing that we're finding lately is a lot of underperforming schools are replacing instruction with technology. And they're relying on computer-based education programs to be the core instructional tool. That's just not effective. Nothing can ever replace human face-to-face contact to be able to really reach a child. And so that's what we kind of look at is, is how many different programs do you have going on? Do the teachers even know what the curriculum is? I remember asking a leadership team, what is the curriculum of your school? And of all five of them, they gave four different answers of the five people. I said, if you don't know what the curriculum is, how would the teachers know if you guys can't come to consensus? So getting clarity is you know, point number one. And then the second step would be, well, what's actually working? What is actually getting us return on investment? So we would do an analysis of what we can tell you know, works and then try to streamline everything. So we're limiting what the teacher has to actually master right? And what data we're using to make decisions in order to create small groups or whatever your intervention plan might be. I just think a lot of those schools, they just try to do too much because they think, right, they go to these effective schools and they see the end result. But what they didn't see is how the sausage is made. And so that's where it is. You know, those schools that are effective, they worked really hard to streamline and align their programs and to test some things, but never navigate away from what they know works best Uh, with their population of students. Great. Thank you so much for that. So Tom, you have a lot of responsibilities. What do you do on a daily basis to set your mind? So uh, this morning I did some Pilates with my wife. I try to get up about 4.45 every day to five o'clock. I start my day with exercise, uh, either in the gym or uh, yoga. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. I am learning how to uh, meditate I wish my mind was more clear and would calm down. So I'm learning how to do that. So I got headspace, um, not consistent with it enough. I go through my daily affirmations as well. And what I really try to do before my kids wake up, which is about 7 to 7.15, is I really try to knock out one big rock on my to-do list. So I'm writing a book right now on charter school governance. So maybe it's knocking out a couple pages there. When will it be finished, you know? Well, my goal is June 1st. On my 41st birthday, I said I would be a published author by the time I'm 42. And I'm running out of time. So, <laughs> Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So either knocking out that one big rock. The days that I don't plan out and the days that I kind of jump like right into email are honestly the least productive days for me. I find it really important to just kind of plan out um, and to make sure I, I get one to two hours of Tom time. And when I say Tom time, that's those, you know, habits, getting my exercise, working on the business, working on content, you know, reading, because, you know, the rest of my day is usually either in the meetings or in schools or traveling to schools. Um, so if I don't get those uh, two hours and if I wake up even 15 minutes after I should, I'm doomed. So it's important to have a consistent uh, habit yes. and to get that time to yourself to really focus on what's most important and don't get stuck in the weeds during that time. And that's hard for me because I really try to be responsive through emails. But I've learned that if you start your day with emails, that means you're starting your day on someone else's agenda and not yours. Oh, I like that. I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's fine. That was it. I'm going to end on a high note. (laughs) Um, Tom, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? Young man, your ego is your enemy. I was definitely not a good listener or a good follower. The secret to, you know, someone with a dominant personality is that before you can be in authority, you have to learn how to be good under authority. 
and I've never been great under authority. Uh, that's why I own my own business now, to be honest. So I think that would be it, to listen and ask more questions and not try to be the know-it-all. Great. Thank you so much. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't touched on? Yeah, I would say um, don't be so hard on yourself. Leadership is really hard and it can be lonely at times, but it shouldn't be. And it's really important that you find mentors that can help you. And, you know, they're out there. I'm happy to do it. You can call me anytime. I'm, I'm happy to help and be a thinking partner to help you get unstuck. So don't be so hard on yourself. You know, keep trying, ask questions, find people who have been there and they're on their way back because they have some great golden nuggets to help you be more successful faster than you trying to figure it all out on your own. Great. Thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. I've had such a great time with you. Oh, me too. My pleasure. And I can't wait to learn more about you and maybe we'll get you on our podcast. How about that? That'll be fantastic. I'd love Love to to share that value. Yeah. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.